The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Leslie Morse, and today we are chatting with Kelly Geyer. Since 2008, Kelly has worked with organizations in various industries, including financial services, construction, health insurance, and telecommunications. She is an Agile certified practitioner, certified Scrum Master, and maintains scaled Agile framework certifications as well. She is a certified project management professional, and her focus is on coaching organizations and teams by discovering new ways of working together and avoiding the common pitfalls that hinder their progress. Kelly, thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm. Um, I love that the the book you've worked on is called "Failing at Agile Transformation" <laughs> and and digging into stories of failure because I think those are some of the best ways for people to learn. But before we get to that, I love hearing from folks about what was your Agile origin story. How did you find Agile? Um, I think from what it seems like, um, a lot of other Agile coaches and Scrum masters. Um, started out, I also started out in project management um, and I was working for a large health insurance company and about a month or so after I started working for them, they decided um, to go through this transformation and basically forced it upon us. Um, And I jumped in headfirst. I've always loved learning new things and, you know, jumping in on new challenges. Uh, So I just grabbed every bit of information that I could possibly find on Agile and Scrum and Kanban and Lean and um, dove in headfirst and got my Scrum Master certification and then um, moved on to get the Agile Certified Practitioner certification and worked my way into being a Scrum Master and found a really great Agile coach for myself. Um, and so, yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty much how it started. And yeah. Yeah, what was it about because I I absolutely identify as well as I imagine many of our listeners do this idea of really kind of being turned on by Mm -hmm. learning new stuff. Um, I I think Mm -hmm. it's something about that first line of the manifesto. We're uncovering new ways. Like we're always seeking out new things. So, um, but what was it about agile that felt really sticky for you? Um, I think what really hit me was the fact that everything just made sense. It was very logical. Um, coming from project management in traditional or you know waterfall project management, and then learning more about agile, things just made more sense. It kind of the more I learned, the more I thought, gosh, well, why haven't we always been doing it this way? Yeah. Uh, you know, why, why, why don't we look back and figure out ways to do things better? And <laughs> why, why aren't we doing these things? Why aren't we cu- focusing more on the customer and um, focusing on quality and things like that? It just, to me, it just made sense. Absolutely. I, um, I had a similar sort of journey into this as well as a, oh, that just seems natural. Yeah, <laughs> like there's, exactly. there's a natural sort of humanness to, yeah. to the way that things happen versus being maybe overly contrived. And I won't, I won't pick on <laughs> right PMP certification, but there is so much that goes into that, that just can, if it's not done in really human centric ways can absolutely feel 
more contrived than necessary. It's like, I, I love mm-hmm. listening to Lisa Adkins talk about, she's a project manager in recovery. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. As am I. <laughs> yeah. as, as, our, as to your point, many of us in the Agile community. Yes. Um, and, and so, right, you talked about kind of starting to work with organizations in 2008, right, finding Agile. What have you noticed about, right, your own journey as a woman within our community, um, Mm -hmm. or perhaps maybe observed about the role of women in our community over the years? Um, I really have discovered that, uh, I mean, with the the first organization I worked with, they had a very even mixture between men and women in the development teams. Oh, that's great. Which which is amazing. Um, And they worked so well together. And then the next two organizations that I focused with, they really were male-centered. I mean, one of the previous organizations I worked with, I had three teams, and all three of them were 100% male. And I was the only female. What was that dynamic like? Um, it was a little bit weird because I really am not, I mean, I'm a little bit of a girly girl. I like my manicures and spas and things, but I'm also a big tomboy. I like, I mean, I took my son fishing yesterday and I like camping and getting dirty and riding horses and that kind of thing. So, um, I don't necessarily need to be babied. And when you work in a team of men, they initially think they need to, you know, watch how they say certain things or, um, you know, maybe not use profanity if they're getting upset or, um, you know, things are a little bit more careful, but I have found that for the majority of scrum masters and agile coaches, most of them are women. And I think there are definitely benefits to both being a man and being an agile coach or a scrum master or whatever, or being an agile coach and being a woman, there's obviously benefits to both. Um, And I have also found that from a technical standpoint, more of the agile coaches I've worked with who are men came from a more technical background. Um, and then the women come from more of like either a project management background or they worked on, you know, the business side of the organization. Um, so they tend to be from a less technical background. That's not to say I haven't worked with agile coaches who were, who were developers or testers or business analysts. Um, but I have also definitely seen that the women that I have worked with tend to have a little bit of an easier time dealing with some of the emotional underlying things that happen with teams. Um, they'll notice them first um, and they can address them a little bit easier than men try to focus, I think, a little bit more on just the work, the facts. Give me the facts. What can I fix? And if yep. it's something they can't necessarily help a team fix, they kind of want to just move past and move on to something else. Um, but I think that's very much in a, in the male nature and in a female nature that, you know, if you think about your relationships, if you're married or you have a, if ever had a boyfriend, um, men want to fix things. If you have a problem that they can't fix, they really don't want to deal with it. Um, whereas women, you, you turn to when you need someone to listen to you. It's, you know, they can't fix the problem. They cannot fix it, but you just need to unload um, and so that's where I think a lot of the benefits of having a female agile coach, um, if you have a team that's maybe struggling with some underlying emotional conflict or something like that, uh, sometimes there can be a strong benefit to having a female coach there. Yeah. I mean, I think some of the the things that you're talking about are some of the the, the general 
I guess the general generalizations um, that yeah. we make about gender because we need a yeah. lot of keywords right now. Um, <laughs> but that um, right, those sort of generalizations exist for a reason because of things that we've experienced. And and I think mm-hmm. you're highlighting some of the things that we talk about around the different masculine versus feminine leadership qualities a lot of times, um, and how there's there's space and richness in all of that diversity. Um, so I think it was a gift that you were able to bring into those teams by, by adding that diversity. Did you notice a a shift within them, um, over the time that you worked with them? Um, I did. I, I actually used it to my benefit to kind of have fun with the teams, um, and bond with them a little bit. One of the first retrospectives that I did, um, with the three teams that I worked with previously, where it was all males, Um, I kind of joked with them a little bit and I said, okay, you know what, for our retro, I heard men really love talking about feelings. So we're all going to talk about our feelings today. (laughs) And they all looked around like, oh my God, now this is me, the American now working in Europe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They were, they had this look of panic. Um, and I said, okay, no, everyone calm down. No, one's going to be crying and we're not going to be singing together and things like that. And, um, making voodoo dolls or whatnot, but I, I want to talk about like, here are kind of four main values of, you know, the Agile Manifesto and, you know, people and interactions and things like that. And I want you to tell me how it makes you feel. Do you feel like the team is, you know, really embodying these things or do you feel like there's some work that needs to be done? And so I, I've tried to use it to my benefit that um, getting to really what is the heart of the issues? Because those teams at the time were still fairly new to Agile and I was a new coach. So I wanted to address a lot of the misconceptions people have. Mm-hmm. Um, if they said, okay, well, yeah, this value or this principle, I don't really understand why, you know, why we don't plan anymore. And it's like, oh, no, no. Okay, here, let's talk about this. <laughs> I can understand you would be frustrated if you think Agile means no planning. Um, yeah. And as you know, that's not what it means. <laughs> But it's something very common that happens in organizations. Oh, agile means you don't have to plan. You just start working. Yes. That's what, um, (laughs) if we could get rid of all of those misconceptions, well, perhaps there would be fewer of us that need the jobs that we have. So maybe I don't want to get rid of all those misconceptions. (laughs) (laughs) So, so let's, let's sort of move and dive into, um, the, the book that's available that you you've worked on, which is failing at agile transformation. And like I started us off as I love stories of failure because I think there's so much, um, richness in Mm -hmm. the vulnerability of, um, you know, just having people model what it's like to talk about times they messed up, um, as well as, oh, wow, like, I start to see this happening around me, maybe I can take a proactive jump. So what was really the inspiration for you to take the time to to sort of write this down? Sure. Um, I started noticing a lot of similarities, um, because I worked for three organizations back to back to back, um, that were in the same time frame with their transformation. Mm -hmm. And I started noticing a lot of similarities, a lot of questions, a lot of the same misconceptions. Um, And at the same time, the organization where I was working was was really trying to push this failure culture. Um, You know, fear of failure and um, failure being okay. And so it just came to mind like, oh, 
I, there are so many books out there on what you should be doing to be agile and how to, how to do Scrum and how to be lean and um, how to be an agile transformation and how to be an agile leader even. Um, and I didn't really find a ton of resources about what not to do. Yeah. Um, and in order to find those things out, somebody had to make those failures, right? Some, somewhere I worked had to do these things that made me think, huh, that's really hurting the process. Um, And so the the book Failing an Agile Transformation, How to Sabotage Your Agile Journey, um, really came about from my own experience and from people asking like, okay, like, is my, is this organization, is this place where we work, this is what I'm seeing happen and I don't like it. And did you see it at your other organization? And is this common with this agile thing? And so I just started kind of collecting these similarities and talking to other agile coaches and asking like, okay, I I have seen this and I've only worked for a handful of organizations that are working in this way. And do you guys see the same thing? And do you see any other things that I have missing? And, um, and there were of course a ton of like, I, I noted down like eight (laughs) major categories. Right. But there are like hundreds yeah. Um, but I really wanted the book to be short that you could read in an evening. You could, you could take a bath and read it in the bath and be <laughs> done. Um, I, for one, have two kids. I don't have time to read like a 500-page book that's super technical and whatever. I, I really wanted something simple to the point and, and done and easy. That's great. And then I I just think it's also just really great that you took the time to do that because there's many of us that maybe will dabble in blogging or maybe we're serious about blogging or might be writing articles on Medium. But that edge of being like, I'm going to work on a book and I'm going to, because you self-published, right? Right. Yeah. Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, through Amazon, right? I'm going to figure out how to make all of that work. And I'm going to put these pieces together. Like, that's a thing that I think in our mind is like, such a gigantic hurdle. And like, I can never do that. So what was it sort of that you unlocked within yourself to really lean Mm -hmm. into that adventure? Um, I love sharing. So I do have a blog. um, Mm -hmm. And I love reading blogs. Like that's one of the biggest ways I learned a lot about agile because I would read, um, you know, articles from one person and uh, an article with an opposing opinion from another person. And then I would form my own opinion. Right. (laughs) Um, and so I love getting information. And when I learn something new or interesting or something that I find useful, I think I can't be the only person who finds this information helpful. Um, how can I get it out there? Um, and so, I started the book actually as more like a kind of a manual, I guess, for the place where I did work. And then as I was writing it, I thought, well, this is only one organization with, you know, a couple hundred employees. There's got to be probably more people that work at other organizations and even in other countries who might find this useful. So I'm going to find just the easiest way and the least expensive way to get it out there and exposed so that it's not only a short, easy book, but it's an affordable book. Um, right. So that's kind of the angle that I took with it. And what would you say you learned most about yourself through that journey? Um, I learned exactly what I'm capable of. I am extremely busy. I, I am working full time. Um, I have a toddler and a teenager, boys. 
Um, I enjoy cooking. I have a husband who I like to spend time with together as a family and alone, just him and I. Um, so, you know, and I, I like to try to make friends and I like to go sightseeing and traveling and I like sharing information. So this was something that it was a, a labor of love for me. It was something that I, I proved to myself that if I really want to do something, I will make the time and make it happen. I say, Kelly, I noticed you did not list sleeping in that set of activities. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Who needs that? There's plenty of time to sleep when we're dead. <laughs> I was going to say, I completely disagree, right? What is it that you do to keep a balance to maintain that energy? Because like your energy, even just in this conversation is really infectious. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I think it, it the key is to focus on what you really love doing. Um, mm -hmm. And I say this all the time. I mean, I just had a team event today with one of my brand new teams. Um, and I said, you know, I focused on employee happiness. And it was like, you guys, I want you to be a happy team. I'm happy in my job. I come to work every day and I'm happy. I love it. There's and that right. means, yeah. Go ahead. I was say there, we spend as human beings way mm -hmm. too much time at work to come to yeah. work every day and feel yucky about it or wake up in the morning and get that pit in your stomach of like, oh, yeah. I just don't want to go do it. Like that is just so tragic and sad to me. Um, so I, I think that's just, I want to pause on that because I think that's a really important thing for people to just sort of gut check themselves I'm mm -hmm. like, how is it you feel when you get up in the morning? Because to your point, when you're working on something you're super passionate about, it's almost like your battery's endless. Yeah, it doesn't feel like work. When yeah. I was working on my book, it didn't feel like I was working. When when I'm at work and I'm working with my teams and we're doing retrospectives and, you know, we're tackling problems and we're going after impediments and, you know, we're, especially when I'm working as a team mm -hmm. and we, we can celebrate those successes together um, and we're really getting things done and moving forward and making progress. That's exciting to me. That's fun. Um, oh, yeah. So, and it was the same with the book. I, I didn't put a, I didn't put pressure on myself. I didn't say, well, I want to finish it, you know, in three months, or I want to finish it before Christmas, or I just thought I'm going to write it. And when I feel like I'm done, I'm going to put it out there. Like, what's the worst that could happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody buys sure. it. Okay, fine. But I still enjoyed it. So I don't care. Yeah. I said, I know one of the, um, it's the, I want to write a book. I want to write a book. And you talk about it and then people start asking you, well, have you worked on it yet? And you're just like, no. And then it's, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And then it's like, but I'm really not working on it. And so did you, about did you, <laughs> yeah, thinking about it, did you tell people that you were going through this as you were doing it? Or is it sort of a, I'm just sort of doing this over here for me? Um, I totally didn't tell anyone I was working on it um, until it was almost finished, until I was really wrapping up like the formatting and um, mm -hmm. applying for the copyright and things like that. I really, I barely, I don't think I even told my husband until I was like several chapters in, like that I had built kind of the framework of the book and then I was starting to fill in the pieces and um, yeah, I really, I didn't even tell my, my best friend, my husband, I didn't even tell him until I knew like, no, I'm really enjoying this and I'm going to finish this book. Yeah, and I'm, going to, I'm going to publish that, it. <laughs> yeah, that actually that had to alleviate a little bit of pressure. Yeah, um, yeah, I imagine it was going back to when you asked me what I learned about myself during this process is that not telling him at least was really stupid. Um, it was really not a good thing on my part because I was um, extremely busy during this time that I was writing mm -hmm. the book. 
Um, and it was, you know, I already work full time. And then when I'm home and we have a toddler and I, I was working on a few other things at the same time as the book and working full time. Um, and so that's really not it wasn't fair for our relationship for me to not share um, kind of the extra things that I was doing. So that was a was an important thing I learned about myself. <laughs> that's um, that's actually that's a good point to have that awareness mm-hmm. um, and being really kind of clear and open with those that are around you um, or on the impact that it, that it could definitely have on relationships. Um, I don't know. It's like my brain's almost going off and I'm starting to get really curious about some things in my own life, <laughs> which is often what happens in these conversations. Um, before we start moving to close, um, one more thing on the book. You talked about kind of the eight categories of, of failure. If you had to like pick one aspect or one point of the failing at agile transformation and that sort of self-sabotage um, mm-hmm. to highlight, which one would you pick? Um, I am going to have to pick kind of underestimating what it actually means from a human perspective. And I think that that kind of, it kind of covers a few of the different eight topics Mm -hmm. um, because it's kind of underestimating a lot of companies assume like we're, I'm going to be ad, we're going to be agile. And this basically means we're just changing the way we do projects. Um, That's a huge underestimate, (laughs) underestimation, right? Um, And or organizations realize, okay, this means the whole organization has to change. And they ignore the fact that you are asking people to work in a different way. You're asking, you know, a lot of developers and people who work on computers chose that profession because they really don't like working necessarily that closely with other people. That has been my experience with some of my teams is that they prefer to work on their own. Mm-hmm. That's why they, that's why they like a computer. That's not so. It's not another person you work with. Um, and now you're saying, okay, now we want you to work in a team. We want you to, you know, share what you're doing. And um, we want you to have two people with one computer. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, and even like if you're used to just doing doing the software testing, okay. Well, now you want people to start learning. Uh, you know, if you're used to doing testing, we want you to learn how to develop um, or we want you to be more proactive and talk with stakeholders and, um, you know, write user stories and help with the acceptance criteria. These are things that, you know, these the people are not used to doing that's outside their comfort zone. Um, and just because you say that they should do it doesn't mean it's something that people are going to be comfortable doing. Um, it doesn't mean everyone's going to be open to it. And some people will learn to like it when they see the benefits of working in a team. And some people just never will. Yep. If it is in your nature that you really don't like interacting with people, that's, it's going to be a challenge always. Yeah. When I, I love the way that you describe this, Kelly, and that it kind of, it brings us back in a lot of ways to just sort of the, the fundamentals and the beginner's mind. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it would have been very easy for you to couch this mm-hmm. is right. All of the, the giant organizational things that get in our way and our structures and leadership and this and that and all this stuff. But like you're really boiling it down to like this is, you know, the humans at the team level being mm-hmm. invited to work in different ways. And some people mm-hmm. might not accept that invitation. Right. Um, and what does that mean? And that's going to take more time than 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 you expect. And I think that's just sometimes those of us that have been doing this for 
longer than we want to remember um, <laughs> and, and dealing with big gnarly organizational issues. Like it's really good to come back to that beginner's mind. And so I love that you really ground it that way. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Uh, and, and as we go to wrap up today, like I want to bring it back to about you um, yeah. because I always think it's fun to inspire people with like new ideas for professional development and growing themselves. So what is it like, what's on the top of your learning backlog in your professional development right now? What are you doing to, to make Kelly a better Kelly? Yep. Um, I actually just accepted um, a new position as an agile coach within a large international online bank. Um, and I knew it was going to be more challenging than my past position because they work in a completely different way. They use kind of the Spotify model. I hate to call it that because Spotify probably looks nothing like that anymore, but the tribes and squads and chapters and things like that, that's something I had no experience in. Mm -hmm. I learned about it. I knew about it. I read about it. Um, and I'm working with agile coaches that have a lot more experience than I do. So um, I'll be learning a lot. We'll be learning a lot from each other, um, but I'll be kind of pushing my limits um, and, and learning something completely new. Um, and I am in the process of trying to get an approval for some training to go to Brussels um, to learn this. It's kind of a new way of innovating with customers. It's a very structured way of using your customers to help you innovate. Um, oh, so those two things are, yeah. Oh my God. It's, I learned a little bit about it already and it's like a week long course. And I, mm -hmm. I, I hope I get the approval because I really want to go. Um, it's a really fun, like I said, it's just a really fun structured way to, to go talk to your customers face to face. And if you have an idea, we think this might work. You will go show your customer <laughs> to ask yeah, them if this is something they'd be interested in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the name of that course? Or is there sort of a name for the approach that we can share with people? Um, it is. It's actually, um, it's called Pace with ING. Okay. Um, ING developed it. And there are some, it's not like top oh. secret from ING. It's, they have some, um, I think they have either a podcast or something on YouTube about it. And there okay. might be an article or two online too. It's, Great. it's really cool. And again, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, this makes sense. Like, just like agile, like, this is so logical. Why, why haven't we always been doing this? <laughs> That's, That's what awesome. I love about it. So <laughs> That's yeah. great. Awesome. Well, I hope you get in the class yes, and then you'll have to blog about that too. <laughs> oh, <I> really will. <laughs> awesome. Well, what final wisdom do you want to share with our listeners today, Kelly? Um, I think going to just your last question is keep learning because there's always something new with Agile. Agile is old. Um, I did a presentation not too long ago about um, kind of Agile for non-IT people. And the first slide was what Agile is not. And the first item on that slide was Agile is not new. Agile is old. It's been around for a long time, but it's changed over and over and over. And that's, as even as an organization, that is how you stay alive. Right, you have to continuously change and stay up to date with what is current. And so if you learned about Agile 20 years ago and then you haven't learned anything since, you know nothing at this point. You have to keep up. So whether it's blogging or there are several podcasts um, out there, including Women of Agile. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but there are there's so much information out there. There are conferences all over the world um, that you can go to. There are books, there's, you know, 
the, the information is limitless. Yeah. So, and of course there's my book that's free with Amazon unlimited Kindle. So, <laughs> so the information, a lot of it is free. That <laughs> yeah, is. And that's, I think that's one of the things that I really love about our community as a whole is there's just so much giving and sharing. Um, mm-hmm. And to your point, right. People sharing with conflicting opinions and not having an issue leaning into that open disagreement and debate mm-hmm. in public forum, because I think actually like reading through that to your point earlier helps mm-hmm. you really kind of formulate your own opinion. Um, right. And uh, if you just keep surrounding yourself with others that have the same opinion you do, I really mm-hmm. do think it limits your growth. Yeah, um, you're not going to learn so, anything. And yeah, right. One of the main principles is like this or kind of the one of the main ideas is using empiricism. So, mm-hmm. OK, what worked for someone else? And but why did it work for them? So yep. that same approach may not work for you, but if you understand why it worked for them, you may come up with something better for you or your organization. Yep. Context is king. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Leslie. Yeah. And thank you all for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It's brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast. You can go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find additional inspiring podcast conversations. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.